Welcome to More of That Presents Discographology, the podcast where a Springfield, Missouri band dives deep into a band's catalog, one album at a time. I am Matt. I play guitar. I'm Josh on bass. I'm Logan on guitar. I'm Blake, and I play the drums. And we are More of That. Welcome back to Discographology, the podcast where we lobotomize the question of our infinitude. We return with our final episode of At the Drive-In. Today, we will be covering their hiatus, their reunion, their full-length album, Interalia, and the EP, Diamante. Josh, what's your relationship to Interalia and Diamante? So by this point, when this one had come out, which, what year was it, 2017, something like that? What year yes. did this come out? Uh, I, I was very well aware. I, you know, I'd bought Relationship Command, as I mentioned in the last episode. So when this one was announced and then came out, I was anticipating it, although I did not purchase it or anything like that. But I did listen to like all the singles when they were dropped and everything and, uh, and, and enjoyed them somewhat. Uh, we'll get more into that a little later. But I, uh, I never ended up buying it or anything, so I was aware of, like, I think a few songs on it, and then the Diamante EP, I had no idea even came out. So that is about it for, for me in terms of my relationship. I knew a few songs, and that was it. Uh, I knew even less than that. Uh, <laughs> 2017, I, I wasn't really keeping up on, on new releases. Um, I, I would have been interested to hear uh, at the time, but I just wasn't aware that they had even uh, released a new album. So uh, all of this is t- uh, totally new material to me. Oh, cool. I also have no relationship of command with uh, either of these. <laughs> um, 2017, the summer of 2017, I was too busy rocking that Heim. So that's what was on my mind. And I... I <laughs> I heard rumblings that there was a reunion, um, but I didn't pay. I should have paid attention, but I didn't. So this is all new to me. You had Heim on the mind. Heim on the mind. Well, cool. Yeah. So I got both of these on release day. I remember being very excited. I liked I liked Interalia, but somehow I got kind of distracted from it and put it down and didn't listen to it for a little bit. But then I picked it back up in 2019 for some reason, and this was the soundtrack to when I, Jamie and I moved out to our house, and I was making trips back and forth, you know, getting everything moved, and for some reason, this is the only thing I would listen to, and I listened to it on headphones, and I just listened to it over and over and over and over for like three weeks, just burn it, you know, wore it out. Um, so that that was kind of weird, but I really got into it, and then I listened uh, both on vinyl and on YouTube music through, you know, various sets of speakers and earbuds. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's get to it. Uh, we'll go ahead and jump right into Interalia. Before we get started, I'd like to give a shout out to all the following sources that I used. YouTubers Chief Mojo Bear, Matthew Dominic, 3vor12 Extra, Sorky, the Chad Childers article at Loudwire, Ben Lucian's article for the Oklahoma Gazette, Ian Gormley on exclaim.ca, and Discogs. Thank you so much. All right, friends, I know you're all ready to get inoculated at the liquor store. Let's get it on. It's at the drive-ins, enter Alia.
With the breakup and hiatus of At The Drive-In, years and events pass, leaving quite the storied gap. Jim, Paul, and Tony take up under the name Sparta, sporting a more indie rock sound. Cedric and Omar form the Mars Volta and take prog rock to a new level. Omar also goes on a very prolific and dizzying solo journey, releasing easily more than 30 albums over the course of 10 years and becomes a filmmaker. Sparta releases three full-length albums and gains some underground notoriety. Volta's chapter would spin all kinds of new wild stories and adventures for Omar and Cedric, from albums inspired by deceased friends and bandmates, to haunted Ouija boards, spirits sabotaging the band, a Grammy for best hard rock performance, a revolving door of members and collaborators, and six studio albums. A whole podcast episode could be dedicated to the strange happenings that surround some of the bandmates. In 2009, Omar gets the members of At The Drive-In together and the group hash out their issues, leaving on good terms. The healing process begins. But it was the first baby step that everyone took to be cordial and, and nice to each other and sort of start the process of uh, healing. What, what do you remember of that day? I remember we all sort of met at catering, you know. It's like two, it's like an ex-boyfriend and an ex-girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it was a little tense, but we were being really nice and cool to each other. And then um, I remember Omar made it a point to go ride in their bus to the next place. Oh, yeah. 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 That was actually a move, like... Yeah. A handshake. Probably. Yeah. 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 And so. Um, Nevertheless, Paul doesn't appear on the Mars Volta's next release, Octahedron. He's asked to leave the group in an effort to strip back the band's sound. Paul had joined Volta around 2003 as sound manipulator and later as a second live guitarist. Cedric marries actress and model Chrissy Carnell, a Scientologist. Cedric reportedly joins the church and credits the religion with helping him kick drug addiction. After more talks and healing with the band, At The Drive-In finally get back together in late 2011 and officially announce their reunion on January 9th, 2012. In March of 2012, the Mars Volta released their sixth and unknowingly at the time final studio album, Nocturnicit. It's quickly overshadowed by the announcement from At The Drive-In that their first reunion show will take place on April 9th at Red 7 in Austin, Texas, with Coachella dates to follow on April 15th and 22nd. They'd be touring with the Zex Marquise, which features Omar's brothers Marcel, Marfred, and Ricardo. The whole band makes it for the reunion, but their glorious return is somewhat overshadowed by criticism towards Omar's lack of observable energy or interest. It would become known that Omar had lost his mother a week before, and he had also admitted that he didn't feel much connection with the old At The Drive-In songs. Omar has also said of the situation that they were the perfect people to be around at this time. 
Getting on stage was a chore, but he loved being around those that cared about him and that he had grown up with. While rumors and questions of them recording new material were circulating, it was quickly squashed by the band. Later in the year, At The Drive-In also performed at festivals such as Lollapalooza, Splendor in the Grass, Fuji Rock, and Reading and Leeds Festival. Out. I don't think it would be a Latin dancing show without technical difficulties. So thank you. Good night. I'm going to dedicate this first song to my abuelita because she's missing her fucking chanclas. We're only Latin dancing Saturdays through Monday at Jerry's Deli somewhere on Ventura. Mm-hmm. His name is Henry. He's got a handlebar mustache because I think he might be one of the sons of anarchy. As opposed to your mustache, I had a mustache once, I wore it ironically, and I got called out. This next song is called Lopsided, because quite frankly, in these camps, that's the way this shit feels. Some people have often speculated that that last song says, have chicken with jello. But back then, some of us were vegan, some of us still are. This next song is called Technical Difficulties, from the album, What the Fuck Happened to My Pedal, from the era that brought you cocaine. I saw somebody throw a shoe up here. I would actually appreciate it if you threw me a chancla. If anybody knows what a chancla is, let it be known. That's kind of a chancla. That looks more like a Birkenstock. It's like a Havaiana. Havaiana, that's, that's not a chancla. Oh, oh, there's a chancla right there. What up, Snoop? What up, Dre? It's a fucking hologram Cedric. Actually, I've changed my name to Cedric Lyon. Shaba! Mr. Fantastic. Mr. Boombastic. Paul said it's just gonna take another hour, so until then, let's have a Q&A. Talk about what it's like to exfoliate, what kind of skin you have. Is there anybody in here that uses uh, a chancla? That's not a chancla! That's a fucking straight-up hipster Havaiana that you bought in Silver Lake. That shit costs you like 50 bucks. A chancla is like handed down from your fucking abuelita. It was used to tell you to shut the fuck up when you were cussing while you were eating your menudo. That's a chancla. Are there any Latinos out here? We need to teach these people the fucking fundamentals of chanclas. It doesn't come with Velcro. If it came with Velcro, that means you probably got it for free backstage at the Kipping Center. I know how to kill time. Okay, now this shit's broken right here. So, like I was saying before, is there anybody here that wears those running shoes that look like gloves? You know what I'm talking about? Don't wear that shit. You know what I'm saying? I know it gives you traction and you're like, I'm gonna take it back to the caveman era. You know, I could do fucking five miles in one fucking breath. Come on. Jim Ward, Holly Nohost, Tony Jean, the Puerto Rican Woody Allen, Omar Rodriguez, Latin Danzig. Okay, I'll let you into our fucking band meeting. We're on the 40 yard line. What the fuck we do with the ball? I don't know. I'm not a football player. Can you do that? A big old pair of Pampers on, I'm gonna fucking fill them. That's fucking Paul right there, Paulie Nohost. We used to call him fucking Paul Bunyan, because he was taller than the motherfucking Bunyan tree. He used to live in Machuca. You know what Machuca is? It was a gang in El Paso. He lived inside the fucking gang, all right? He lived inside the gang. He controlled them. That's what he did. And goddamn Tony right here looking at me like, what the fuck are you saying? Don't touch! The band had also acquired the rights from Fearless Records to reissue most of their catalog, three full-length albums as well as via EP, and launched their own label, 21st Chapter, to handle the reissues. The name of the label is a reference to the chapter omitted from the U.S. version of Anthony Burgess' book, A Clockwork Orange. In 2013, Cedric quits the Mars Volta via social media, 
directed at Omar about his time spent towards his other band, Bosnian Rainbows, with DeAntony Parks, Nicky Casper, and Terry Suarez of Les Butcherettes. He likened Omar's commitment to being like a cheating spouse, always running off and screwing other bands, as he put it. Some sources indicate that Omar was against Scientology and was critical of Cedric joining. They don't speak for eight months. The same year, Cedric and Chrissy also have twin boys, Ulysses and Xanthus. In 2014, Cedric decides life is too short and messed up to not talk to his friends. He and Omar patch up their relationship. It was an eight-month disagreement out of knowing each other since we were 16, Cedric tells the exclaim. Rather than regroup the Mars Volta, they form Anti-Mask with drummer David Elitch and Red Hot Chili Peppers Flea on bass. The songs were originally pegged for being new at the drive-in material, but failed to launch when Jim Ward caught wind of their disagreement. Fearing a similar implosion to 2001, Jim refuses to join. They could have been at the drive-in songs, Cedric tells Exclaim. Dave Elitch doesn't play like Tony Hajar. It's different brushes or different types of point. A self-titled Animask album arrives the same year. Flea and Elitch are later replaced by Omar's brother Marfred and Blink-182's Travis Barker. A second album is recorded, but has been shelved for now, apparently. In 2015, band members meet up to see what everyone was excited about, Tony tells Fuse TV. Having kids, Cedric says to exclaim, they put everything in perspective and make you go, what the fuck was I mad at? I can't show my four-year-old that daddy can't get along with his friends through thick and thin. Then what kind of parent am I being? In the fall, At The Drive-In officially announced their reunion with a string of dates lined up for the following year in Europe and North America. In 2016, Omar puts out 13 separate solo albums. Days before At The Drive-In's much-hyped reunion tour is set to start, the band announced that Jim Ward will not be partaking. As our ship prepares for voyage, we announce that Jim Ward will not be joining us on future journeys, explained the band in a Facebook post. We wish him well and are excited to see you soon. As much as we love each other and we love the band, something about being successful in that band doesn't work. (laughs) And I don't know why, none of us know why, it's a mystery. I didn't ever want to be famous or I didn't want my band to be big. When we went to a bigger label, I had an ulcer. Like when every time we would make these decisions to go to the next step, even though it was a natural progression, it was really hard for us to, to sort of come to terms with it. I was lucky to be around some really good people that, that cared about me and not about the success that I brought them. I was also surrounded by some people that were very concerned with their income based on my work. And that is troubling and it does, it does real damage to people, I think. I remember when our video went on MTV2 and became kind of like a a thing, played it a lot. And I came home from that tour and people treated me different. This industry is is pushes you to be self-centered. Selflessness is probably like one of the best things to learn. If you broke down and yelled at the other guys, they're not going to get your back when you're playing a show and your amp breaks or you know, somebody's messing with you in the crowd. It has to be this like really tight unit of selfless love. And it's hard to explain, but. I'm super sorry. 
to sort of keep going about the like what happens with that journey is that it gets packaged and it gets they take the emotion out of it and they, it becomes a product I understand that it has to be put in a box and put on a shelf and sold um, but obviously there's a whole there's a whole world behind that that is is also amazing that you can't put in a box you know even me talking about it, it's like I would never be able to explain that stuff. It's just uh, it's craziness. But it's great. I've never regretted anything. Not one, nothing. We have altogether a wealth of material. Why is one person going to hold us up? Cedric asks, exclaim. I think he's a fucking amazing artist, and it's too bad that it didn't work out. Keely Davis, who played in Sparta and Engine Down, joins the band. They begin work in earnest on new material, naming demos after the cities in which they were recorded. Part of the tour is later canceled after Cedric develops vocal nodules. There's such an intense want for At The Drive-In that people are really fucking pissed when you can't come through with it, Cedric tells Exclaim. Tony Hajar forms Gone Is Gone with members of Mastodon and Queens of the Stone Age and his own new project, New Language. Both make their live debuts on April 27th at the Dragonfly in Los Angeles. They release a self-titled EP in July. In November, Chrissy tweets that she's left Scientology, citing Leah Remini as her inspiration. I just wanted to thank you for everything you're doing. Gave me strength to leave. You wouldn't believe what they did to me. Both Chrissy and Cedric escape Scientology for now. On December 8th, 2016, at the drive-in release Governed by Contagions, their first new single in 16 years via Rise Records. February of 2017, At The Drive-In announced a full-length album, Interalia, their first since Relationship of Command, due in May, and released a second track, Incurably Innocent. Both songs appear in set lists throughout the band's spring tour. The band starts with the concept of attempting to pick up right where they had left off. They almost considered it to be like method acting, trying to return to their younger mindsets, diving back into the things that they liked and listened to at the time. They wanted to plug back into that world of 2000. They felt it necessary to imagine if they had naturally followed up Relationship of Command. They felt like that's what the fans would want. Explaining the record's long gestation, Cedric tells Exclaim, People have families. It can make it look like you're not altogether there. There was a lot going on against us, and people didn't understand that it's a rock band made up of human beings. In March, Chrissy accuses former boyfriend Danny Masterson of That 70s Show of sexual assault dating back to a 2001 incident. She alleges that Scientology church officials threatened her if she reported the actor. During this time, things take a wild turn. Cedric and Chrissy start seeing signs that they're under surveillance. Strange phone calls and line interference indicating that their phone has been tapped. Random people claiming to be with a cable company or repairmen randomly showing up and asking to come inside or to look around outside the house. Neighbors abruptly moving out with strange people moving in, seemingly only there to spy on them. 
things reach a breaking point where their otherwise healthy dog turns up dead, appearing to be given rat poison. This happens twice. Two dogs, dead. Cedric and Chrissy claim that the church is responsible in trying to use mob-like tactics on them for their accusations on Danny Masterson. This is a huge ordeal. It's like an at-the-drive-in song come to life. The song Incurably Innocent is said to be about Danny Masterson and the cult of Scientology. Cedric has said it's a song about sexual abuse and being able to finally speak out. Another single and video drops in April, Hostage Stamps. Even with all the at the drive-in activity, band members remain busy with outside projects. Dawn is Gone released their debut, Echo Location, in January. Omar forms Crystal Fairy with Terry Suarez, Buzz Osborne, and Dale Crover of Melvins, who released their self-titled debut on Ipecac in February. By the end of April, he is already on track to release more material than the previous year, having dropped eight solo records. Crazy. In March, New Language released their debut, Come Alive. A second anti-mask album called Saddle on the Atom Bomb is tentatively scheduled, but still never comes out. Interalia is released May 5th to warm reviews. Punknews.org sums up opinions. If I hadn't heard Relationship a Command, the album would have probably gotten a half star more. Interalia means among other things. For example, the album includes Interalia, crazy guitar riffs, cult busting, and tales of hostages. Rich Costi, known for his work with Muse, handles the production and mixing. Martin Cook engineers. Gentry Studer does the mastering. And Damon Locks returns for the cover art and illustrations, known for his work on Relationship of Command. Tony Hajar claims the recording of the album was the most fun he'd had in years. He mentions how the band all hugged on the final day of recording, proud that they were able to do this. It took years of baby steps, Cedric tells Exclaim. Just to have it come out and prove to people that we're serious about it was really nice. Well, they say there's no time like the present, so moving on, let's check out track number one, No Wolf Like the Present. So, cool opening riff, very energetic right off the bat. Uh, I I love the phrase, no wolf like the present. It brings to mind that our reality falls prey to predators waiting in the wings. I find it very interesting when he says, they own your history and scrap it for parts. I feel that the erasure of history is a very real and concerning problem. If you erase and rewrite history, you essentially control the narrative. Of course, I don't mean removing like monuments that revel in <laughs> subversion and division, but wrongdoings that are covered up and don't make it into the history books. Uh, this song makes me feel like times we are living in are dangerous, predatory, and rooted in disinformation. Yeah, I agree with you on the, the there was no wolf like the present, they own your history, scrap it for parts thing. I, I mean, it's kind of like about taking, you know, this... Uh, picking apart what you do think is valuable from a certain narrative in history and using that to bolster whatever your current, you know, 
favored narrative is or something. Um, th- this song does do the thing where it starts off and you're like, oh, it's really quiet. And you turn your speakers up and then when it kicks yeah, in, yeah. it just <laughs> blows your speakers out. You're like, ah, they, they do that twice on this album, by the way. Um, I, I, I do think this continues the at the drive-in tradition of having a lead off track that just kicks the doors off the hinges, you know, with its energy, it just comes mm-hmm. barreling in. Although it's, it's hard to say that you can beat, uh, Ark Arsenal as far as, opening at the drive-in tracks go um you know this is a a noble attempt but i don't think it quite lives up to that energy which i'm going to try not to do too much but i think it's hard to not compare this to previous at the drive-in let's just kind of you know just say for listeners that this is later in their careers and you know they're older and there's just certain limitations that come with age (laughs) and live performance wide wise especially yeah um, I think there's also a, a great argument for, I think Cedric's voice has gotten better live. He's learned how to control it better. He's drinking that hot tea on stage. Like he's had less, like, I feel like he's really, he, he has to be careful, but he can't reach the heights that he used to. So that's, that's pretty, that's just uh, how it is. Yeah. But anyway. Those are my thoughts though. Uh, Matt. I, I agree. This is definitely in the tradition of the, uh, the banger, uh, you know, high energy intro uh, in the vein of sailing all alone um this song kind of encapsulates i think how i've felt about the record as a whole and that is to say i like it i think it's it's good but it's it's really hard to separate kind of what it is in the context of the over of their overall career versus you know just it as an album because i mean this you know it it's a very up tempo. It's a good opening track. Um, I like the guitar riffs. Um, I like that there there's stereo, you know, there's stereo parts, and each side is kind of inhabiting a, a a different part of the frequency spectrum. And then when they go to the to the solo, those sides switch. And I don't know if they're you know if, if they're swapping actual players if somebody else is playing the solo or uh, or if if they just did it in in the mix, but. You know, it's got all the elements of a good at the drive-in song. I think Cedric's vocals are a bit all over the place throughout the record, but I think this is one place where uh, where they work for the most part. Um, It's it's very much an at the drive-in song. If you heard it, you'd say, "Hey, that sounds like at the drive-in." Yeah, uh, I couldn't help but notice the first thing you hear on the album before the um, that riff slams in is some some noises i believe this album begins and ends with the same noise like a a tape spool noise or something like that does that sound Mm -hmm. correct yeah i i I always like that kind of detail um and then then some like uh a sound clip and i I, i'm like what is that it's it's like voices far off in the distance you hear that a few times it's it starts a trope of uh, uh well, it's something they've done before of course but uh having noise intros to songs that i'm a vampire yeah, exactly. <laughs> they they continue that great trope, uh, and then of course you turn up your stereo and blast your ears off. Um, I like that Josh brought up our Arsenal because I while I also don't think this can, can beat you know that one of the best opening tracks of all time. I one of, my fa- one of my favorite parts about No Wolf Like the Present is the guitar tone that that first comes in. Mm, yeah, uh, it it can't be on. On accident, and I think it's uh, probably Omar intentionally dial dialing in his tone to sound like that. Our Arsenal, I I can't even describe it, especially as a non-guitar person. That 
something in the high end and just just the way it's distorted yeah. it it's like oh oh i'm back in, in our carsonal uh that that uh that texture again and it it sounds really cool um cedric's voice i mean out of the gate i was just like he sounds different i mean obviously right it's 17 years later people sound different and reunion albums i don't even know if we call this a reunion album or just a delayed you know next step in their evolution but these it's hard uh having a huge gap in your discography and of course of course you're going to sound different but yeah he does all sorts of different vocal modes that we're gonna that we're gonna get to i'm sure what is uh what's tan tantivy run <laughs> is a, a lyric he says <laughs> toward the end what is that yes well it's like a horse galloping or like uh, uh I, I think that's what it that's what it means, or okay. kind of like a the galloping of a horse or something picking up speed. But yeah, I thought that was an interesting. <laughs> I I had to look that up to be like, yeah. what is he even talking about? So yeah, but yep. that that makes me kind of think of you know the Trojan horse and just hey, this old horse is gonna get up and try to run again. You know, <laughs> this is the band that we're you know we're gonna get up, we're gonna do this, we're gonna give it our all, we're gonna try to pick up some speed and see what we can do. Um, so uh, they gotta continue. You know, they they have to continue <laughs> on and move on. So uh, I think they cover that in the next track, Continuum. that is rad i love that uh i dig this song it's it's not top tier at the drive-in let's get that out of the way but it has some cool things going on i love the theme of drop a dime on you first the idiom drop a dime is a term that was popular in the 20s and 30s in like detective stories it implies it implies (laughs) putting a dime. dime into a payphone to rat someone out to the police uh, oh. <laughs> the mention of a Faraday tank or a Faraday cage uh, makes me wonder about its intentions, meaning to keep sensitive data or equipment safe from theft or from electromagnetic radiation. I also love the line that it's just scaffolding with no building to demolish. Yes, I wrote uh, that down. Yeah, it. it's amazing. It makes me think of ideologies that have a framework, but no real substance or even really anything to attack or criticize. Yes. Um, the song plays like a detective novel involving conspiracy and betrayal. Uh, yeah, I think I'll drop a dime on you first. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm into it. So... I like to try and keep this podcast as clean as possible. Uh, yet I I have to say what I thought he was originally saying <laughs> when I first heard this was I'm going down on you first. Oh, That's what boy. I kept hearing. Oh, and I was like, what is, why does he keep saying that? I had to go look it up. And I'm like, Oh, he's saying I'm dropping dime on you first. Just the way it, uh, am I the only one that thought that? Is my mind uh, in the gutter yeah. and no one else's I mind is in the gutter? Here? definitely did not think that. Uh, I didn't hear that. <laughs> That's okay. all you. I can't say that I did uh, hear that, Josh, but um, <laughs> I, I did hear some pretty some pretty rocking uh, 
songs here. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like this this is them at uh, at their approaching their most MC five. You know, it's yeah. it's a fairly straightforward chord progression. I feel like, yeah. um, and I, I would agree that you know this isn't you know a a, a top tier. But I mean, but you know, I, we we don't have a good pun uh, for at the drive in fine. But it's 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 Heim fine for for at the drive in. Um, I, I do like the, the at the drive through. That was Logan's from earlier. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, we're we're at the drive through. You know, we're, we're ordering our sandwich, uh, <laughs> and you know, kind of ta- tapping along uh, on the uh, on the steering wheel. Um, <laughs> I like the flanged vocals. Yeah. On, or it might be a phaser uh, on that on that interlude. Um, they they peppered in just enough. You know, if they hung on that, I feel like it, it's something that could, you know, kind of easily wear out its welcome. But they just they just jumped in and jumped right back out and, and into it. It it moves along very well. L- Logan, you mentioned that this is a uh, this was a, a moving soundtrack for you that it's uh, it's well suited overall to that task, I think. And, and this is a uh, yeah, uh, a good example of that. Oh, yeah. I think I'll go down on you first would make a great. Yeah. <laughs> <mop. laughs> It would make a great Motley Crue song title, and it, that's fitting because uh, this is the most hair metal, I think, the the closest they've ever come to care, hair, hair metal, especially when uh, I, I wrote down uh, Cedric a Belton. He is a really belting it out, especially on parts like a... I know, he's going for it. <laughs> he's, he's a screeching, like... You were saying, you know, he's older and, and can't hit the high notes, but well, he, but he's learned so many things from Volta. Right. He's he's yeah, really yeah. come a long he, way, and yeah, he yes. can't quite reach the heights, but he's doing still good things with what he can do yeah. and what he has he, left. Oh yeah, you can and you can track his uh, improvement in singing throughout the Mars Volta discography, but that's not what we're talking about, right? Uh, it's got a spoken word verse, which, which when that comes in, I'm like, oh, this is this is my at the drive in. That, that's the Cedric I know. Uh, I, I I know these spoken word verses. Uh, the familiarity sets in. Um, I was calling it the Mars Volta tremolo last episode, I think. But uh, yeah, it, I think it is more like a flange, phaser, uh, whatever proprietary effect that they will sometimes drop on um, on Cedric's vocal. I in that pre-chorus part, are your feet bitten by frost? Part I I dig mm. that. Just a yeah. little bit of that watery flange. There's a reference to a hyena, which keeps <laughs> so mm. tying it all back together. Predators. Yep, and th- there's a hyena on the album art, right? Yeah, and and in some of these these music videos they they put together for this, uh, which it, is uh, all... Damon Damon Locks, who did the ah. uh, uh, relationship command cover. He did this cover as well, and then uh, some of the animated videos uh did he do that animation we'll talk about not, it later i'm sure yeah uh not the stop motion or whatever but oh, the, okay but the animated ones yeah yeah it's a headbanger yeah it is and speaking of banging against things uh sometimes you might have to tilt or uh go <laughs> tilting at the univender <laughs> that was bad <laughs> no that's that's good
All right. So I'm really excited to talk about this one. Um, I really like this one musically. Uh, again, let's get this out of the way. It's not what I consider top tier at the drive-in, um, but I think it's a cool addition to their catalog. Uh, first, I noticed more of a major sounding song with a very jaunty kind of riff that somehow reminds me of what Matt refers to as cowpunk. It it harkens to a favorite yeah. local band of mine from Springfield called the Boot Heel. Uh, while I wouldn't usually compare them to At the Drive In, I think it's just a little country fried riffage. Actually, I have a little clip. Uh, I recorded the Boot Hill a long time ago, and it reminded me kind of this clip, if you wouldn't mind to play that. Now that's cow punk. By the way, yeah. for, those, for those interested, Boot Heel is on Spotify and I believe Ooh. Apple Music as well. Yeah, no, they're a great local band, great friends of ours. They've played in many bands. Uh, check them out uh, for sure. But I, I've, I haven't really heard any At The Drive-In song like this before. And that's why I like it. I think that the pre-chorus really works. Um, my favorite part is the bridge that goes into the... Uh, I'm not going to sing it, but the bury you yeah, part. I agree. Bury you. I, mm-hmm. I did sing it. I shouldn't have. I always do that. You know, it's just like go against your better judgment. Uh, some cool chords happening here, though. I, I'm, I'll love to hear Matt's take. Uh, the title makes me think of a of gaming a system like a pinball or a vending machine, like tilting it to try to get free snacks or points. And uh, I don't know. I just there's something just kind of charming about that to me. And uh, I, I like this song. It's it's a weird at the drive in song. Would that uh, tilting perhaps happen at the little arcade? Yeah, right. <laughs> where the where pol- poltergeist play their video games. Yeah, um, yeah. I like the I like the title, uh, which t- uh, took me a while to unpack it. <laughs> but I, uh, it's like a vending machine reference. You tilt it to get your Snickers or whatever out of there. Also a, a mashup with a Don Quixote reference, I guess. Tilting at windmills. <laughs> Um, this one, I thought it was cool. Instead of starting with noise, it starts with just a killer drum intro and then goes into that great beat um, for that first riff you hear. Um, really muscular drums there. There's a mention of mannequin arms. Uh, so I'm, I'm just for those playing along. Appropriate. Yeah. If you're playing along at home, you know, parts of mannequins, uh, <laughs> That's that's got to be on the bingo card for Cedric lyrics. This happens several times throughout this album. It's got sort of a herky-jerky chorus beat that I found hard hard to follow. The The chorus rhythm, uh, while not bad and kind of cool, was hard to follow. And I was like, damn, how, how do you fit those syllables in there? Uh, I, I think we've said that about uh, their stuff before. But uh, I, I couldn't even quite count it correctly. It may just be a, a straight 4-4 four four that's, that's kind of syncopated weird. Um, and then it, I thought it was cool on the bridge really falls in line uh, a, a rare thing for at the drive-in it's a four on the floor with uh 16th notes on the hats <laughs> it's almost disco-ish for mm. that bridge i also really like the the bury you thing but yeah that's all you I got know that i i try to keep it clean on this podcast <laughs> oh, well, here we go. let me tell you what i <laughs> no I'm kidding i have nothing else like that okay i i'd like to apologize for my earlier no comments. it's fine no um, it's fine so 
Speaking of, of that, though, Blake, there was something you said on the last song that I feel uh, I'm glad you said about how the hair metal thing, because I, I, I couldn't quite articulate it that way, but there is a distinctly more, I don't know, this album just seems more conventional to me, like than previous at the drive-in releases, especially Relationship of Command. There, there's I, something I about some of these songs that just seem more straightforward rock, Definitely. which I think is funny because... I think we talked about this back on the uh, El Gran Orgo EP because that's the one without Jim Ward, correct? Mm, right. Yeah. And, and how you would think that without you, like you get the impression that oh, the Mars Volta guys are the ones that are going to be more yeah. experimental and crazy, and Jim Ward's going to be the more straightforward guy. But both of the times he left the band, if you recall on that EP, they kicked it off with like a straight ahead pop punk <laughs> kind of yeah, song, yeah, yeah. and then this one, it feels like a lot of the songs like are just very conventional kind of rock songs and I, I thought that that's interesting you would assume yeah. otherwise although I do have a thought about that a little later I'm going to save it for a little later about why that might be the case total speculation but I'll get to that uh, um, okay uh, this particular yeah. song uh, I don't know it just didn't do much for me um, I felt like I liked the first two more there's more interesting things in the first two than this one to me yeah, so I, I don't have a ton to say. I just sort of, a lot of things about how the, it's sort of more conventional. Uh, the choruses on this album especially feel like a lot of, like, let's just repeat one line multiple times, which I know is like what a hook is, what a chorus <laughs> is. But it, it just seems like maybe I missed it on previous At The Drive-In releases, but it feels like this one, there's a lot of that, where it's like, okay, it's chorus yeah. time. Say the same line three times maybe on the third one you change it slightly and then you repeat it on the fourth and like that's the chorus and uh it just sticks out more to me i guess on this album than than previous ones uh really have i feel like i'm kind of opposite of you in terms of how i'm finding this song in relation to the the first two i, I do agree entirely that that the the whole record has a more uh, conventional. I think I'm. I'm sure that that note ap- or that word appears somewhere in my notes. A, a more conventional feel than uh, other at the drive-in records. Um, I, I think that that's more um, exemplified by the first two, and and this is kind of the departure, at least for me. This is where uh, where I feel like they they get back into something that that is more befitting the, the you know the, their their level of creativity. My, my first note is uh, okay. Now we're talking. Yeah. Um, I do. I, I do like the major chords. Uh, Logan, I hadn't thought of that uh, that boot heel tie-in, but you're totally right. Just working around that um, that that kind of cowpunk, um, you know, major third uh, riff that that goes throughout the um, the intro. It, it's just a really interesting and, and and fun riff, and I I think that at the drive-in does well when they do have those uh, those those major chord uh, elements. Yeah. And then, kind of juxtaposed with uh, the, uh, I guess would be a pre-chorus. I I, I love the the disco uh, bridge, uh, disco interlude. That's that's great. Um, this song to me is the closest that they get here to like a hula hoop wounds or an invalid letter department, which you know is uh, right where you want to be in terms of you know my my preferred uh, at the drive-in song. So I'm 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 a I'm a fan. Cool. Uh, just a quick note to what you're saying, Josh, about and what everyone's kind of saying about the more concise sound. I th- I think years of being in the Mars Volta and constantly pushing like as far as they can go in these boundaries of just you know over the top and then 
Omar making all of these albums that are just crazy out there. I think it's it's he's come full circle where it's like he's really tried to focus back in on just a very simple, concise, present thought. Um, or at least that's what I've kind of gathered from him. I, I see. I I got that. I guess I'll say what I was going to say later because it fits here. But I think that it that almost is like a trap in a way. And this is one of the sort of theories or rabbit hole kind of things I started to think about, which was like how doing a reunion, a quote unquote reunion album can kind of be a trap because you almost like you feel like you're coming back into this band maybe and you're like, okay, what was the sound of this band? And we have to kind of do whatever is that sound. Like, I feel like it, it makes it, it limits the ability to like experiment and do something totally out of the ordinary because you're not making a record that is based around what you currently really feel as much as you are. Like we're making an at the drive-in record and I'm totally, by the way, speculating what their intentions were and, and, Obviously, I have no actual insight into that. So, well, this they, is total they speculation. They do talk about they they tried to really go back to the things they liked and listened to at the time to try to get back in that mindset of where they would logically, if they were young again, where they would go next after relationship command and kind of met that method acting approach. I think that's where it's leading them, and you know, trying to go back to. You know whether you can actually make it back or not is a is a good question. I, I guess itself. it made me See, think Twin about Twin Peaks: The Return. Exactly. But, uh, <laughs> I was going to say uh, you can never really go. You can never really go back to bingo cards. You can't go back home again. Exactly. Yeah. We, we, that we, was the route I was going, Logan. Yeah. Like how we, David Lynch with that? It, a lot of people think was trying to make a statement about how people want you to go back and make this thing right. that is exactly what you used to do, but instead you go a completely different right you know, direction and, with it. And that's the direction that they they did take. Um, but I, I I think things turn around at least uh, here on track number four, governed by contagions. See, now, I would argue here that, yes, you can go back. <laughs> you can go back, and this song is straight fire and proof of that. Like, this is top tier, like, worthy to me. Right up there with the best of their stuff. I like its fast, mean approach. There's wild, urgent guitar parts. I love all the little details and the multitude of parts and fills. Um, I think this is really where they are pushing what they're capable of and trying to to go into new territories. Um, everyone sounds on point, even though Jim isn't present. You could almost fool me here. Like I, I feel like Keeley and Omar are doing some really on point backup vocals where it it kind of makes me think it is Jim. Um, I like that it's prodding almost poking a metaphorical bear, so to speak. Like, how many bites do you think it takes to get to a cyanide tooth is such a memorable line for me. 
Um, hearing the smack of what sounds to be like two by fours cracking together on the, the that's the way the guillotine claps is yeah. oddly satisfying to me in kind of a sleigh ride kind of a way. <laughs> I, uh, my favorite part though, and I have a clip for this, uh, are the coupling of these crazy guitar parts with these truly terrifying lyrics. And it just makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. He's a man shit that high guitar yeah. part that's just like <laughs> just like it, it's i don't know what it does but something in my brain just starts like Anxiety. buzzing and like reacting i'm like yes this is what i'm here for um but no uh <laughs> it's the terrifying thought can you imagine everything being deleted <laughs> like what a yeah. what a crazy thought and of course the mother eating her newborn uh part that uh, it's mm-hmm. just potent imagery in this song and i i give it high honors uh it it knocked it out of the park for me uh i was impressed as a first single and usually you know like i said i'm like not huge into singles but ah great i i agree with that on all fronts logan uh i i don't know if uh, i need to add too much praise because i think you covered it pretty well i do want to say i have a note here that i was pretty proud of that was if the whole album could be this great it would be relationship of command (laughs) just that like this song is obviously like the high point i feel like of this this album not to give away things spoilers for too later too much but like I just feel like this, as you are correct, hits those same scratches the same itch as some of the parts of Relationship of Command do. Um, and at first, I was like, "What is it that's so good about this?" And I, I, I thought maybe the riff was great, but then I started thinking, I was like, "I feel like the riff on this is not necessarily a better riff than the others. It's just they do something more interesting with it. They just do something more creative and interesting. I feel like as a whole unit with." this song than they do on some of the others. Um, I, I do want to add in the line, there's a narc on every corner, knock, knock, knock on every corner. Or, or, knock, is it knock, knock, knock at every door? So he says there's a narc on every corner, knock, 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 on, knock, every, knock on every door. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just a lot of good lines. Homemade good, remedy to loosen every flow. song. Good yeah. flow. A lot of good lines. Uh, Matt, what are your thoughts here? Uh, I'm, I'm more or less there with <laughs> you. Uh, the balloon down. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's definitely a uh, an attempt at a return to form, and and I think it's it's a successful attempt. But I I guess I'm just not at quite as blown away um, as you two. Um, you know, I I do like the you know going back to the the, the guillotine um, imagery. The how many bites does it take to get to the cyanide tooth? That's a great uh, a great line and a great image. It just and and I I I, I would say this highlighting the fact that there are redeeming qualities in this genre, but it's kind of edging up on fart rock to me. <laughs> what? And what is fart I, rock? I, I feel like it's a little bit of fart rock. What's fart and, rock? And, and that's not to say that that's necessarily a bad thing, but that's just the, 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 the feeling I get. I, I think it's, it's the chord progression, you know, the, the, it goes to one and the four and the three minor that that's a, a pretty contemporary or, or a well-heeled, uh, chord progression. So I, I think it works. Um, I, I don't think it's a bad song, but it's, it's just kind of, you know, right in the middle for me. 
What what is fart rock? I literally don't know. Oh well, just you know, like uh, in a derogatory sense, you would say that like you know, in, anywhere, anyone from Pearl Jam to even you know at, at the the worst end, like a Nickelback or oh, something. I thought it was fart rock, I thought it was butt rock. Or, yeah, Rattlesnake I, butt core. rock is. Is it well? Well, t- t- <laughs> we're we're, we're going to get there. I'm too busy shaking but, uh, my head to comment. So. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I know. I'm, this is I'm, not quite I'm Napoleon Solo Logan. territory, <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah, well, the, ho- this hottest is... take since Napoleon Solo. Uh, I didn't. I didn't get butt rocker for <laughs> fart rock. Okay, well, and and you know that's that's just me. I think yeah, you're talking fine. about the chord progression. Like chord progression, I could see, but the rhythmic elements of this there's no way nickelback's doing that uh that's the I, way I the agree. guillotine claps clap thing you know i agree yeah so and, and <laughs> this is going to be one of those ones where three of us gang up on the other one and Every, uh, everybody's free yeah. everybody's right. forgetting about like go down i'll go down on you first comment now that's, that's, <laughs> I, I thought that was kind of funny um this song <laughs> is the fucking anthem it's a b-a-n-g-e-r to me i keep going back to it it's it's like it's called governed by contagions, huh? Did someone from the year twenty twenty go back in time right. to three years and say, "Hey, Cedric, get a load of this shit. You're not gonna believe the dystopia I just came from." The whole song is about uh, dystopic nightmare imagery. Uh, the fucking woman eating her newborn <laughs> under a tractor's. Brain. Yes. She says, barren are the fields from the Nephilim rain. Nephilim, biblical giants or fallen angels. Apocalypse everywhere. Um, I I could talk a long time about this song. Like, uh, I, I love that I can do a sing-along anthemic thing to uh, That's the Way the Guillotine Claps, followed, the, <laughs> followed by the choice to put the sound effect of a guillotine clapping the, and the way they placed it is absolutely everything. It makes the song. So that's the way the guillotine claps. Chop. And um, I love that, uh, Logan, you mentioned the the two by fours because one of the first things I thought about was how they make that. And then I remember doing Sleigh Ride in high school band. <laughs> right, and exactly. Pe- people slapping the wood together. <laughs> that was my reference, it was, reference yeah. point. Do you Zimmy think he read V for Vendetta? Like I got major V for Vendetta vibes. Because <laughs> oh, isn't like wasn't it a pandemic or like disease or something in that book? And then like, yeah, I don't know. I just got V for Vendetta vibes with some of this. this and song. that that clip you uh, your clip starts with the insane Tom thing that happens after right. the first chorus. Yeah, I it's wanted like, to highlight that for shit. sure. Like that's some good he, Tony Tony parts right there. Tony is going. Buck Wild, just yeah, uh, yeah. Th- I can't, I can't say enough about that. This is a, this is the anthem. This is the jam. All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and go on to track number five: Pendulum in a Peasant Dress. Oh man, this song rules. I just love all the guitar parts. Like they're just very punk, intricate, but effortless and like still avant-garde. 
the song really takes it even further on the bridge parts, the one shot in the chamber, uh, that yeah. part, that that really works for me. Love that part. I mm-hmm. love all the disgruntled guitar squeaks and squeals and moans. Um, the chorus really brings all the ideas together for me in a catchy and memorable kind of way. Um, the one shot delivers us from what the heart don't want, but the heart is broken. I love it. Uh, I think Cedric is on point in this song. Omar is just slaying it too. I was disappointed that the lyric isn't uh, actually plagiarizing gramophone. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know that it wasn't, but it seems like it seems to be telling a story of a woman. I don't know. It's it's kind of an interesting song. I like it. Uh, yeah, I I like it as well. Um, you know, it, it, it's definitely. Uh, of a piece of all of the songs uh, on the the album, that kind of pregnant phrase or or run on phrase, the one shot delivers us from what the heart don't want, but the heart is broken. That's a you know that's a really interesting rhythm construction that mm. that um, takes what might otherwise be a you know a, a pretty standard. Uh, liner progression and and really kind of puts puts some English on it. Um, there's some syncopated chords uh, in here. I don't have a timestamp on them, but uh, some syncopated chords and and really interesting tight chord progressions that they kind of jump between uh, that works uh, really well. Um, I do like the one shot in the chamber. Uh, th- this one kind of hits me more in the place that I think uh, uh, governed by the contagions was was getting for you guys. That you know this just wor- works more uh, for me. Um, I don't know that they needed to bring back the chorus around three thirty. Um, that uh, you know, as good as the uh, the heart is broken line is, we do get it a lot in in the song. Uh, but uh, but I I think this is uh, this is another great uh, great entry for the record. Yeah, this one's a rocker. Keeps that rock energy up um, immediately after contagions. Love that it starts with cool noises. Um, it has another one of those uh, choruses with. A rhythm that's difficult to nail down, like tilting at the Univender, but I, I think this one uh, rocks a lot harder than that one, and it, I just, I don't know, I, I like how the, the chorus is, is structured here. Um, awesome rock riff, uh, first thing you hear. I think this, it has some some cool li- lyrics. I think uh, this is the one that says infinitude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, I love uh, the line, pendulum swinging for the fences. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm a sucker for that shit. Love it, but yeah, this is a good one. By the way, I, w- I want to point out that uh, I I'm glad that you guys are getting to experience what I've experienced for a long time, which is when you really really <laughs> like a song and you're really sure Matt's gonna like it, and you play it for him, and then he has you have this frustrating experience where he's just sort of like, hey, it's okay, it's okay, and you're like, what? That's the greatest song I've ever heard. And he's just like, hey, that's all right. Yeah, come on, man. Uh, This song, uh, I I don't know. I didn't have as as much here. I I guess I wasn't as taken by that that chorus line as you guys were. I I felt like it was an example of that kind of forced vocal melody, forced uh, hook thing where they just kind of say it a bunch of times to try to get it to stick. And and I never, it never stuck with me uh, as much as some of the others did like governed by contagions. Um, I I did wonder, do you think Cedric 
is he just a naturally verbose guy? Like, does he just know a lot of words or does he actually like, do you think sit down and like, look for, cause like the line TV's gonna calm lag jettison the populace. It's like, does he just use the thesaurus function when he's <laughs> I writing always, lyrics? I, I always thought he said, uh, I thought he said Janice of the populace. <laughs> and I was like, Oh no, not Janice. <laughs> I think, I think by this time, she's eating a career, newborn. He has his own like vocab book that's just like Cedric's words. Well, I just wonder if he writes a line like, uh, you know, a very typical rote line for a, a rock song, and then he goes through and uses the thesaurus function I mean, on Microsoft Word to change each word to something else. It's a synonym, you know. I bet a lot I, of lyricists do something close to that. <laughs> I he don't think he actually does that, by the way. But it's just what a line. TV's gonna calm like jettison the populace. It's just what does that mean, Cedric? <laughs> It sounds it's know. it's a total Cedric line though like well, it totally sounds like them. It, yeah. The com lag the 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 lag in communication is going to, you know, mess with the populace. Yeah. At some point, I guess. Spe- speaking of though, the next song is is one that uh, is is one that there actually is a, a fairly uh not clear necessarily, but it's a pretty good uh understanding of what it's about, right? I think so. Incur- Un- unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Track 6 Incurably Innocent. All right, so we know what this song is about. Uh, this is unfortunately about Danny Masterson's rape and assault of Chrissy and other women. Uh, it's also about the cult uh, Church of Scientology uh, attempting at silencing the victims and finally being able to speak out against abusers. Musically, I think the the swirling guitars sound wonderful. Uh, I love all the guitar parts here. I think Omar's parts are just always enjoyable for me to listen to i'm always just focusing in on you know listening to the stuff he's coming up with um it just always sounds refreshing and alive to me uh i think the chorus is memorable and it's a bit of an earworm uh i always am up for calling out abusers or religious cults so i think this song is a keeper for me for sure yeah i echo those sentiments this is in my top tier of the songs uh, of this album I, I call it single material. I guess it kind of de facto is a single. Uh, it got a lyric video made for it, at least. Uh, an official one, I should say. I like that it uh, it's another one that starts with one of those. I call it a mystery rhythm on the opening guitar riff where you're not sure where the downbeat is until that insane drum tom thing from Tony comes in again, similar to um, the one done in Contagions. Underneath that really cool riff, I just like how it opens. Uh the uh yeah that that catchy chorus makes it for me the f- i i'm cutting that the, the photograph <laughs> photograph I, I can't do it like he does but every, everybody loves a, a a good chorus about a photograph um look at and, this photograph fart rock yeah. man it's a yeah. fart rock Damn staple it. <laughs> it's, it's not like not like that though they are kings of the bridge uh i recall this song having a, a really good bridge Lots of bridges. Um, Lots of really good bridges. Yeah. They they are they always they're kings of the bridge. What can I say? 
I I want to echo uh, what Logan said about the the guitars. I I am not going to attempt. Well, I am probably going to attempt to sing it to explain it to you. But I love how and Matt. I'm assuming you picked this up as well. There's the two guitars. There's the one sort of doing the main riff, and there's the other one doing this like slide up thing. You guys know what I'm talking about? One's sort of doing mm-hmm. the na 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 and the other was doing a wow wow kind of thing. It's really cool. Uh, really cool sounding. Um. On the on the chorus specifically, did anyone else feel like Cedric's voice was almost like pitched up on the photograph part? Like it sounded I know he hits high notes like that, but just it sounded almost like they pitched it up slightly. Like it just sounded different no. to me. Am I wrong? Okay. I, I, just, it doesn't uh, sound like that to me. He used to hit way higher notes. I just wouldn't yeah, like have you heard the Mars Volta? <laughs> like when he does that, it's like really yeah, up no. there. I think he saves it for for some. I don't think he does it much anymore. But yeah. yeah. Um, by the way, this has the most plays of of any song on this album on Spotify. What has um, the ow. least? Uh, we'll get to well, it. We, uh, haven't hit, right. we haven't hit it yet. Um, probably. I'm gonna be bad. Guess, <laughs> <laughs> my guess would be because uh, of the the whole you know what it's about. Like, I, I wonder how many people like search it out. Cause they mm. hear about that and they're like, yeah. Oh, I gotta go listen to this song. even though they've never listened to at the drive in maybe or yeah. something. It was um, kind of a news story. News I, item. I, I mean, not to make light or anything of the lyrics at all. And I'm not trying to do that, but I do wonder how many people though come to it thinking like, I'm going to hear what he says about this. And then they're just baffled. Yeah. The they're just like, what is this guy <laughs> talking about? Is he talking about it? Like just confused. Cause they've never listened to an at the drive in song, you know? Definitely scare the, <laughs> scare the straights. <laughs> scare yeah. the normies. Uh, but th- this one's decent. It's kind of uh, upper upper mid-tier for me on this this album. Uh, not not at the bottom, not at the top, but, you know, in the middle. I like this one. Uh, Blake, you, you mentioned the drumming. Um, my note here is, uh, okay, na- now he's just showing off. Uh, <laughs> you know, drums all over the place um, on this song. The chorus, the keeps a hide in your photograph, they they do kind of a, uh, they've got a couple bars of, of legato phrases that they then switch to staccato phrases on the, the and it's still, and it's still a, um, uh, an asymmetric phrase. It just makes it a, a really kind of interesting construction. Um, I love the, uh, the guitar interlude. I think it's right about 201. Um, any of that really kind of precise, interesting riffing where you're also have another uh, guitar coming in with with harmonics on top uh th- that's always right where i want to be so yeah th- this one really worked for me all right who so, are you gonna call broken arrow <laughs> seven call broken arrow Oh, so, okay. This song doesn't take off for me immediately. I feel like once we get through the opening verses, that's when I really start to dig in. And uh, the pre-chorus and the chorus, I think the chorus really bangs. Uh, I imagine Cedric wearing like a sequin jumpsuit like Elvis. And he's just like soul grooving and shedding <laughs> Latin sweaty, <Danzig>. sweaty scarves <laughs> for his fans, Andre. you know? 
reminds me of that time that he ran through the crowd. I saw him with Mars Volta, and he ran and slimed slimed me as he ran by. He was covered you. in sweat. <laughs> yeah, Cedric slimed me at Mars Volta. He ran through the crowd and just wow. ran up against me, and he was just covered in sweat. It was one of the coolest and wettest experiences, you know. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's and you've a pretty... had quite a few cool and wet experiences. I, I have. It's a it's a pretty catchy chorus, though. Uh, I yeah. really enjoy the desecrated parts. Uh, desecrated, desecrated alcohol broken. Uh-huh. I love that. Uh, it's not top tier, but I really like the chorus a lot. But yeah. You know, when our podcast becomes huge, by the way, and we have fans that are willing to... Uh, do things for us. I want someone to make a super cut of all the times we've tried to sing <laughs> the songs. No, Just no. A, a nonstop acapella super cut of every time we've ever tried to like Why sing a guitar put part. Put that out into existence. <laughs> um, you're asking for it to happen. Now. More of that cringe compilation? No, no, thank you. Uh, by the way, Logan, have you ever seen? Did you ever see at the drive-in light, like on their reunion tour? Did you see him? No, I didn't. I didn't go. No. Okay. I wasn't sure if you because I I've seen Mars Volta twice. Okay, uh, th- this one's another. Uh, hey, turn up your stereo loud to see what's being played, and then it blows it out. Uh, this was the <laughs> other one they do that on. Um, I this one I actually really like though. Uh, th- oh this is, wow! This is I, I had a secret note that you 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 weren't. Oh, this is my yeah. second favorite actually to govern hmm. my contagions. You, you caught uh, me off guard. My, my number two. I I love that that chorus. The the hook on the chorus and uh i the kick drum on the chorus is like non-stop i don't know if you guys heard that yeah. when you listen <laughs> to the headphones it's not even like the i guess it would be the disco beat the fort where it's just every beat it's just literally like just non-stop yeah um and the tambourine as well over the top of it on the chorus that's a nice touch uh no i i dug this one i think it's i think it's good i got i've got a couple of notes here uh one of them is that it feels a little bit disjointed. I, I don't know that all of the different parts kind of fit together as well a, a, as a whole song. I do like the chorus very much. Uh, I'm not going to lie. The uh, the the rhythm um, on the verse was reminding me of something, and I couldn't figure out what it was reminding me of until I remembered, oh, it just reminds me of uh, Away, that that Godsmack song. Um, <laughs> but but that's not a slight on this song. I think this is a much better song. <laughs> right around 246, there's a guitar interlude that comes in, and I'm like, where's this been? You know, I, There's a lot of songs on this record that they'll get to a bridge or they'll get to, you know, an outro or, you know, kind of a, a weird, you know, little one-off throwaway part and it's like oh hey wait a minute we, you know I, I want more i want more of that i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna make a bell drop <laughs> as they say um so yeah i mean i think this is another uh another uh good entry you know right middle of the pack for me it, it does remind me of the time i was at the house by by myself and i was going to put a movie on and uh, I put on Broken Arrow, the uh, Christian Slater, uh, John Travolta vehicle, uh, you know, a mid-90s action movie, but I thought that I was putting on Executive Decision, and it took me like 25 <laughs> minutes of watching, like, oh my when God. is Kurt Russell going to show up? When are they getting on this plane? Uh, so so that's, that's whatever I think of when I think of uh, Broken Arrow. Um, Not the that, Buffalo that, that, Springfield. The excellent, yeah. I was about to say, also the excellent Buffalo Springfield yes, song. Yeah. This song... 
despite having a, a, it does have a cool course, like everyone said, it didn't wow me uh, too much, um, despite it having a really cool music video. This is uh, one of the ones with that stop motion uh, animation. Yeah. It like, takes place in a dystopian world. It's got really cool creatures and characters. Uh, I, I recommend just checking it out. It's hard to even describe, but it, it's dope. It kind of tells the first part of a uh, maybe a continuing yes. story. Exactly. And I said later. And uh, b- because I like the video and so much and wasn't crazy about the song, I I put down that uh, I think they just should have given Governed by Contagions a cool stop motion music video. Same that would be fine with me. Yeah. 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 Um, the only thing is, I would like to know what Call Broken Arrow means. Yeah. Is that something? I, is that anything? I have no information. Okay. Maybe it means something about that movie call up that movie (laughs) but i do have uh some information on the background of this next song entitled holtzclaw All right, this song is straight fire. Great opening riff, intro. The guitars are just ridiculously awesome. It reminds me definitely of something that could be on Relationship of Command. Uh, I also want to point out the real quick on the uh, church ain't over, over. I wonder if that's Latin Danzig coming in right there. <laughs> it's got to be. Making his, his re- first l- recorded appearance. Uh, I really feel like that hit that nerve. Um, I think the verses are stronger on this song than most on the album, if that makes sense. I, I, I love the neat guitar noises and the whammy barring that might be going on. I don't know if that's a whammy bar kind of shifting things out of tune here and there. Uh, the pre-chorus really ramps things up, but the chorus is where it really shines. The name of the song, however, is referring to the horrible actions of a serial rapist and former Oklahoma City police officer, Daniel Holtzclaw, who was sentenced to 263 years in prison. Cedric has said quite a bit about the song. The name just stuck out like a sore thumb, he said, during an interview with Oklahoma Gazette. He might as well have been named Dr. Doom or something. (laughs) The name in the case epitomized a larger conversation that Cedric wanted to have about the relationship between law enforcement and those in lower positions of power, particularly minorities and women. He compared this track and No Wolf Like the Present to speak in veiled ways of centuries-long war on ethnicity by police and other governing powers. He says, I'm always interested in these names through history that have... um, that a lot of people have, he said. They can easily pass you by, but they always stand out to me. Even bringing up the name Holtzclaw as an option for a song struck some of the people in the band. Paul Hinojos told them the name Holtzclaw sounded like some kind of sci-fi weapon or torture device. And to Cedric, however, it's far more sinister. He says, I can look at the name every day and it just sends shivers down my spine, he said. I think my favorite line to contemplate on... And the whole song is the church ain't over till they put the snakes back in the bag. At first, I thought it 
it kind of like being a jab at religious nuts who use snakes in worship. Yet after thinking about it more in terms of people in positions of power and how they can exploit and abuse those who are weaker, it makes me rethink, can you even continue on with worship or business as usual with these corrupt snakes in power until you put them back in the bag? That's my question. Amen. Yeah, I think this song really works. Um, it has, uh, you know, I, I didn't take a lot of notes on it. Um, Josh, you, you mentioned uh, Rattlesnake Core earlier. I, uh, you know, just just the presence of snake imagery. We we must ask: Is this Rattlesnake Core? Um, <laughs> is it perhaps you know definitionally uh, Rattlesnake Core? But but I think it's a, it's a great song. Rattlesnake Core, of course, uh, being the the genre that. Uh, that I I don't know if you coined or Ben coined I, that, a friend that term. Ben coined it. <laughs> uh, you know, for uh, alt rock bands that like to have lots of snake imagery and kind of uh, Godsmack. You, you brought know, up Godsmack. Southern already. elements. Yeah, yeah Godsmack is uh, is definitely um, a, an exemplar uh, rattlesnake court band. I really like the guitar work on this. Um, more uh, kind of. One guitar doing harmonics and the other gar- guitar doing a uh, a harmonic line. Um, I I think the the chorus uh, really catches it. You know, definitely sticks with you. I I just think it, it works as a tune. I, I've I've got a lyric written down here. You'll find betweeth. 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 I'm I'm gonna betweeth you. Oh. <laughs> uh, you'll you'll find. <laughs> You'll find between my teeth a dagger, which uh, r- really struck out to me. I just thought that was a great little image and and, and a great way of, of presenting that image. Yeah, Holt's Claw is a total supervillain name, and I had no idea where it came from or that it belonged to a real evil guy. So thank you for filling me in. Um, did anyone else... Uh, First of all, this song is a rocker. There's no denying that. Did anyone else notice that that uh, opening lick, and you hear it a few times throughout, is very similar to the Rembrandts? That one? Uh-uh. <laughs> no. Oh, the Friends song? <laughs> the Friends. I'm telling you, the Friends theme song is embedded <laughs> oh, in here. You gotta I, come I up, can't. You got to come up with a little audio thing for that. I I, I thought about make I thought about doing a, a comparison, but I think the com- it wouldn't sound good. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's kind of a it's kind of a thin thing, but it is mostly the same notes. Anyway, I, I just scrubbed back to it, Blake, and I I definitely hear what what you're saying. Omar yeah. is a big Friends fan. Um, he's a big Phoebe head. He loves fan. okay. If, I, I don't actually great. know. <laughs> it's making that up. Yeah. This, despite uh, being a song that that rocks pretty hard, I think that the lyrics may be the best thing about it. And this is this is an album with great lyrics throughout. And this song uh, is one of the songs that takes the cake. Um, Got your city by the shortest crosshairs. Mm. That's kind huh. of a stroke of genius line. Um, of course, church ain't over till they put the snakes back in the bags. Maybe one of the best chorus hooks ever haystack of needles in the bridge and hope the worthless currency yes yeah, this, that's a really this good one. mf spitten Th- that one stuck with me as well yeah that, that shit sticks with you it's good shit yeah the uh logan you kind of alluded to this and, and blake you as well but it is a sign of a good line the the church ain't over till you put the snakes back in the bag that there's like four different ways you can interpret that, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and Logan, you threw a couple out there. 
up top. I also thought of like the the idea of like church ain't over till it put the stakes. Like we're not. This is not over until we get rid of all the you know police officers that are willing to do. You know, what I mean, like until this is those people are gone, then we can end this thing you know whatever whatever that thing is uh protesting or whatever and i should say that at the drive-in has said that they're not anti-police but they are for them you know a a, a different type of training and and not being so mafia-like and more transparency yeah um there is a line in this song though that bothers me the forget it it's chinatown line (laughs) for some reason it bothers me because I, Cedric is such a creative lyricist, and as we talked about in the first episode of At the Drive-In, I feel like a lot of times what he's trying to do lyrically is create these impressionistic mood pieces where you know it doesn't necessarily matter what the words are as much as the feeling you get from those words. And when he says, forget it, it's Chinatown, it immediately takes me out of it. Cause like, instead of feel it, like I just immediately think of that movie and a famous quote. And I was trying to think of like, if he had done that with previous at the drive-in songs, like, have you ever tasted skin? If instead he was like, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Or like, you know, just these, you know, like famous movie quotes. It just sort of takes you out of it immediately instead of like, Continuing, I realize there's probably a. I've never seen Chinatown. Oh well, seen Chinatown? yeah. There's a connection, I'm sure, to police corruption and. Yeah, you know. it's it's just all about like you you can't trust Avi. You can't like it's yeah everything's corrupt. Like that's definitely the. I I liked it for the fact that they referenced Chinatown because I had seen the movie and I was like, oh okay, that's what he means. <laughs> you know, that's one of the first. And I don't know what I read. I read something recently where he said, you know, I'm not doing some kind of made up language or anything like that. I'm just writing Seeger Ross. What he's he's <laughs> describing is straightforward, but it it's it's just his style, I guess. I don't know how to describe it, but Yeah. I think you've um, hit on tones of the the impressionist kind of theory and just the imagery and things that it yeah. makes you think about. And I liked that it made me think about Chinatown and that maybe it leads someone to be like, well, what's Chinatown? And they'll go and watch the movie now. That's a good point. All right. So track nine, Torrentially Cutshaw. So this song isn't bad. It has flavors of a relationship of command, I think, that are there. It's definitely not top tier, um, maybe lower mid tier. It sounds like some of the other songs with not as much very striking about it. But I will say that my favorite part is the the you can't afford it part, and it, it made me remind. It reminded me of this. If you wouldn't mind to play that next that clip, Blake. You don't have no eyes. You didn't get none. Cause you are on the welfare. You can't afford it. What the fuck is happening right now? You don't know that bit, You Josh? can't afford it. No, what are you talking it. about? You can't is that Eddie Murphy? It is Eddie yeah. Murphy's Delirious where he's talking. Oh. 
playing a kid getting ice cream but he's talking about you can't afford it that's what that the song every time i hear it, like you can't afford it I just i automatically think of eddie murphy delirious for some reason but uh yeah <laughs> i don't know this this song honestly doesn't do a whole lot for me i think it's just kind of there this song also does not stand out terribly to me either <laughs> Uh, what stood out the most was probably the, I, I like that it ends with a hard cut and followed by these atmospheric sounds that are kind of cool. And another one of those clips, I think it's like slowed down or something. And I'm like, oh, what's that voice? I'd kind of like to know where they got the clip. Um, other than that, what on earth does torrentially cut Shaw mean? I've gone through a lot of weird at the drive-in lyrics, but this one is, <laughs> I am, I'm at a loss. Um and I'm I'm not sure what the significance is of the chorus. The the two thousand uh, over and over followed by something. <laughs> There's two two thousand of everything. Uh, if someone could explain it to me, uh, I think I'd get a better grip on this song. But yeah, uh, no, this one doesn't doesn't stick with me for some reason. Uh, I'm I'm gonna ditto most of that, and I will add that I think the general public feels that way because this is the lowest play oh, count on Spotify. Ouchie. Good. Uh, so th- this is <laughs> this is the one that apparently is skipped over the most uh, on online. Um, I I I didn't really have anything to say, so I put this note here, um, and then I, I feel like I've I've thrown a few opinions out tonight that. Um, haven't been as well received and this one may not be as either, but do you remember when we talked about acrobatic tenement and how they forgot to throw on Jim Ward's, uh, effects. So every song had the same oh. guitar tone. I feel like with Omar, they accidentally in did Casino the same Al? thing, but he, he left, was it in, no, it was acrobatic tenement. Remember everything was clean. There was no distortion in that. No one. distortion. Oh, yeah. Cause they actually, I feel like they did the same thing here, except for Omar left the same pedal on the whole time. Cause I feel like every song, the guitar tone is very similar. It, it gets tiresome. I feel like I think he, that's just think how he, he plays. I think it's his fingers. I, I think there's, there's certain artists that like when they use their fingers a certain way. It doesn't matter like what setup they're on or anything. It's just how they play, and I just think that's partly how he plays. Maybe some of it. It just seems like the same tone on on every song. But Matt, I don't know. You're, Matt, you're you're the guitar guy here uh, when it comes to breaking down like what they're doing. Do, do you feel that way, or am I am I wrong on that? I, no, I, I don't. I don't think you're wrong. Um, you know, it's definitely a, of a type. My note for this was that I listened to the whole thing and I didn't really think of anything to write down as a note. <laughs> we um, all did that. Utterly forgettable. <laughs> I, I think it's a pretty weak chord progression. Uh, they do do some uh, uh, some interesting riffing that I think. Josh is what is driving that samey feeling for you because it's a very kind of you know uh, Omar um, unidirectional and and climby and weird riff over a a more uh, uh, standard um, you know kind of progression. But uh, but yeah, I, I I couldn't tell you um, I couldn't tell you a thing about this song. <laughs> Do not remember. All right. Well. Uh... <laughs> I uh, I guess we'll let that song disappear and move on to the next (laughs) one, uh, Ghost Tape Number 9.
I love this song. Admittedly, I find it leaning more towards Volta, um, but that's certainly not bad since we haven't had any new Volta material. Uh, definitely seems like a little nod in the title to Love Potion Number no. 9. <laughs> I I love the spacey, creepy vibe. Um, when he sings Fade Away, that's so good. I I often thought about how Jim would have changed this album if he were on it. And when I think of Jim, I, I kind of think of his backup vocals and guitars and, and the keyboard parts, the piano parts. And I think that they kept this vibe alive for the backup vocals for the most part on this album. However, I think that this album lacks the piano lines, yet I couldn't yep. think of really where you would insert those piano lines into the songs that we've been presented so far until this song. Um, yep. I think having a piano in there, the Jim Ward piano in there would really help and harken back to that sound and i think it would fit in well but i think what makes this song really interesting is its reference to ghost tape number 10 a psyop known as operation wandering soul in the vietnam war the vietnamese believed if their soldiers died in battle and weren't properly buried that the souls would wander in pain and agony never to be never being able to rest. So U.S. engineers created a recording to be broadcast in the jungles of Vietnam that features disembodied voices pleading for the souls of the living to defect and surrender. The hope was to scare the Vietnamese to abandon their stations. I also have an actual recording of Ghost Tape number 10, (laughs) if you wouldn't mind to pull that up, Blake. I feel like I'm about to put in this the VHS from the ring. This is real. This is real. <laughs> like Welcome to, to Lupine fucking... Transmissions, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Unsolved Mysteries. I'm I'm scared to press this, you should but here be. it goes. <laughs> What do you think of that? Uh, it, It started out like it's not too bad and then when it started when the effects started kicking in uh you know when the lsd hit then i was like oh god i want to say by the way i originally was like is this song about scientology so i googled ghost tape number nine scientology and the first thing that came up was the wikipedia page for xenu so oh my god what that has to do with anything now what were ghost tapes one through eight like exactly like and that's mama. what I want to know, and I I want yeah. I wish I could find I don't know if they exist or what, but that's the oh only recording online that I could find of an actual ghost tape. So I think it's really cool that they referenced this actual like psyop that's that like that's crazy. crazy. Yeah, like, let's get in our freedom of information request, guys. We want ghost tapes <laughs> number want, one through eight. I want the ghost tapes. I want all, and I love that <laughs> really? they're like, well, we are one of the ghost tapes, so there. Put that in your mm-hmm. jungle and smoke it out. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I want to 
tack on to what you said there, Logan, about the Jim Ward and the song. Because I also thought of Jim Ward with this song. Because I was thinking about how this album is so balls to the wall. And it doesn't have the invalid litter department or the lopsided or the kind of like break, a little bit of a break. And this is the this is the song that is the kind of a little bit of a, a break from just the straight ahead rock. And uh, so I'd also maybe think of Jim Ward because it does feel like he brought that element to the band of a little more like spacey atmospheric kind of stuff. And it's lacking on this album um, except for this song. And I enjoy the song quite a bit, actually. This is, this is up there, probably my number three favorite on this album. If I had to kind of rank them, um, it just, I don't know. It, it, maybe it's because it is so different than the others. It just feels like it is them trying something new that isn't um, standard at the drive-in kind of material. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, I liked that ending with the drum machine and the atmospheric kind of whistling going on. Yeah. I really like this track. Um, I, I think it uh, is an interesting kind of break or interlude. Uh, you are right that, that we've gotten, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of in your face uh, on this record uh, up to now, and it's it's nice to kind of take a breather. Uh, anytime I see number nine, I of course think of Revolution number. Oh nine, yeah, 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 which mm-hmm. is kind of a, you know another uh, soundscape um, experiment. Uh, mm-hmm. I wonder if any of the noise tracks in uh, on this record uh, were manipulations of that uh, that that ghost tape uh, number ten. Um, my, my very first note for this is, uh, ooh, more spooky industrial. Um, <laughs> this song is all vibe, and it's a good vibe. I, I wish that I, I felt like the chords kind of met the vibe. It's, it, it doesn't have a dynamic element that, that would really kind of pair with that, that kind of downtrodden plottiness. And, you know, and, and dirges are important, too. Uh, but um, I, I like where uh, they kind of shift things around at the 240 mark. Um, that is uh, an example of, of where I think they, they kind of bring something extra to that 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 good, creepy vibe that they established. So I, I like it. I think it works. Um, I, I think it's kind of right, uh, right in the middle of the pack on this record. But but uh, definitely would have been uh, aided, I think, by some, you know, some plinky uh, outer space pianos court- mm-hmm. courtesy of Jim Ward. Yeah, I I wrote down I miss Jim's piano, so we were all on the very same page. This is the point in the album where he would have uh you know showcased that. But I despite that, I like this song uh more each time I hear it, I think. Um it's uh every every at the drive-in album has to have a a slowed down, more ballady, more more creepy, more quiet song. Um I think each each album has one. Um, and it, this is kind of that, that trope where, uh, the penultimate song is a, uh, slowed down, uh, more moody one. And then there's a, uh, the final track is a, a, a more kick-ass one to kick your ass on the way out. Um, so I like that they, <laughs> that, that they stick with that trope again. Uh, it's, it's just so heavy and dirty and plodding and I love the atmosphere that it creates. It is, it is creepy, man. Um. The chorus lyric, the ultimatum clots a tapeworm hymnal. That's like a tongue twister. <laughs> uh, that's just like, what the fuck, man? Can you imagine recording the vocals for this, being Cedric and having to like 
Oh, I know. Wrap your mouth around all these words. Like, it yeah. would be very... I guess he's used to it by this point. Right, right. But, yeah, you have to really train your tongue to do that insanity and sutured contusions and all that. You got to train your tongue to uh, lick stamps, too. Hostage stamps. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yeah, so this video is crazy. It kind of goes back to that uh, stop motion kind of animation that we were talking about. The video centers on like a faceless overlord who is who has a man held captive in a darkly lit prison, utilizing a giant robotic hand to interact with the man and study his behaviors in both negative and positive tasks. There's a bit of the man complying with his ruler, but quietly he's setting up his plan of attack and final defiant act. Uh, but Cedric describes the song as like walking through the hallway in some war-torn ghetto and reading the writing on the wall. When you hear things like, raise your knithing pole, I don't think anyone will know what that is right away, but when you look it up, it's this curse. We're going to be victorious. Here's the fucking head on the stake in front of our army. We're coming back. It's reading the writing on the wall. It's going and keeping your ear to the ground and listening to the heartbeat of young people. Wow. Uh, but I, I love this song and I love the video. My favorite line is definitely inoculated at the liquor store, drunk on the yep. piss of sycamore embers. <laughs> I really love it as a closing track and I love the animation style that they use for the video. Um, it's also just kind of like a heavier, kind of different at the drive-in from what I've I've heard before, and and I like that, and I almost like the notion of like it'd be cool if like this is the direction they'd kind of go if they were to keep recording. I don't know. I I, I like it. Yeah, uh, I they had been holding this one out on us uh, in a big way. This one is another really high energy closer. Um, which is true to the the at the drive-in form. Um, I, I love those octave guitars and that that really kind of syncopated staccato rhythm. Um, when the str- when that little string interlude comes in, it's at a minute nine. Uh, that really sends me. It's it's just such a, a little trick, but uh, yeah. sets it apart from some of the other songs. I, I think on uh, on the record, you know, because it's definitely the at the drive-in formula. Uh, but I, I think it's it's uh, executed v- very well here. Uh, it's almost a, a rage riff, um, Rage Against the Machine to me. Um, you know, it's a very mm. simple riff that, um, you know, is played aggressively and, uh, you know, almost kind of the, the, the rhythm of the riff is uh, is the most important part and, and really, you know, just propels you through the song. I think Inoculated at the Liquor Store would make a perfect at the drive-in or Mars Volta album title. <laughs> uh, while, while we're being deloused in the comatorium, we might as well go ahead and get, get inoculated, inoculated at the, the liquor, liquor store. store. <laughs> it sounds like something, yeah. Something like something that may be happening soon with the COVID vaccine. Right. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it all sounds pretty relevant, actually. It's like, oh yeah, get your, get your COVID vaccine at the liquor yeah, store. I mean, why the hell not? Um, essential business. So, yeah, it's a, it's a rocker. 
you can't deny it's another rocker. They're ending the album on, on a, a rockin' note. Um, I dig it. The uh, the lyrics are so fast in the verses. It's another one that makes you wonder how he gets all them damn syllables in there. Uh, I, I like the music video. Um, I like the way it starts with a quiet and, quiet and atmospheric intro that, that draws you in and then blows your head off once again. I like it. I enjoyed this one enough. Uh, it, it's it was one of those I had heard kind of in advance. Um, I I don't think it's it's kind of the middle tier again. Uh, it really felt like a, an opening track to me. Um, I know we this has already been mentioned, but the whole idea of you know the the tenth track really is the last track, and then this is sort of the yeah. the bonus. But it is very cyclical because like this this song and No Wolf Like the Present have. Um, connective tissue to me i i do think by this point one thing occurred to me though which is uh the space reference stuff the stuff referencing uh, outer space that was really jim's thing huh because mm. uh he wanted to be the astronaut none of that on this album <laughs> i don't think there's a single well, right. reference to outer space is there not on this there album is too much the- but it's more like hell on earth yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is a very dystopian fo- album. Focused on on what's going on on Earth on this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. heads not in their clouds because they're forced to be paying attention to what's going on around them because it's yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> dystopian. And meanwhile, Jim's floating out in space. He's just looking down yeah. on them with his piano. You know, yeah. Jim um, is in space. Yeah. So um, I have a bit a bit of a chip on my shoulder about this album. I will say um, I really love it and I enjoy the hell out of it. Uh, but here, here's what it does great. It's honest and energetic. I feel like it plays off and expands the band's sound. It touches on interesting themes and sub- subject matter relevant to the world that it was created in, maybe even more so than when it was released. Uh, the musicianship is top-notch, and everything sounds and plays really well. Uh, sounds like the absolute best they could do under the circumstances, and it also seems like a cohesive set of songs. It's also about friends coming back together to create and do something that they love. Here's what it's missing. Yes, it's missing Jim Ward. His guitars, his vocals, and piano. And I think it's also missing some of the more world music and influences and experimentation. Um, However, it was his decision, and if he had his way, there probably wouldn't be an album and we wouldn't be talking about it now. So here's a good analogy. At the Drive-In discography to me is like a big five-course meal. The first, you get like crackers and breadsticks, which is like the EPs and acrobatic tenement. And then second, you get a lean salad with some croutons and dressing. And that's EP and uh, that's the El Gran Orgo EP and In Casino Out. And then next, you get a nice hearty soup, which is Via. And then you get the best meal of your life. Just mind-blowing. But after that, you need a long time to digest and get up and walk around. But before you leave, you have this dreamy dessert that's there there's just no way to pass it up even though you really don't have room for more you you cram yourself full anyway i don't know that's kind of how i feel about their discography Mm. and i know most will discard this album disregard this album because it doesn't top relationship of command and that it's a cash grab or because it doesn't have jim and those are fine reasons to not like it but i think this is a better out there's a better album here than most give it credit for and it's interesting and touches on a lot of different subjects. There's also really nothing else like it being released. Is it top tier? No. Is it at the drive-through? Hardly. But I do think it's a valiant and respectable effort put forth from guys that sound younger than they are. 
Um, I think there's definitely still a spark there. So what's your rating? So I give it a 10 out of 11 tracks. So that's 91% or 4.5 ghost tapes. Nice. Um, This is an album I mostly enjoyed from start to finish. Not the way I enjoyed Relationship of Command. It's really, it's not a fair comparison. I don't think I could ever, it's it's hard to even give it a fair rating. Uh, uh, reunions are tough. 17-year uh, gaps are tough. I mean, <laughs> what can you do? Uh, it, it's weird to go back, but they did manage to, to put together um, a, an entertaining record and uh Governed by contagions and a few others are are shining lights uh, that I I think will will stick with me. Like I could put that song and a few others on, on playlists for for years to come. Um, I thought of the analogy the other day um, with Jim Ward and all. Uh, you know that that Star Wars movie Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Uh, Never I, heard. Of I it. said, oh, okay. Well, there was this Star Wars movie. It's called the I, I believe it was called the Rise of Skywalker. Explain it to me, all of it. Um, so, <laughs> well, let, let me explain the Force and how it works. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I, I said, and uh, a lot of other people said, they they could have made a lot better movie if Carrie Fisher uh, was still with us. I firmly believe that, and that is nobody's fault. And. Uh, the album would have been a, a little bit better with Jim's help, and that's I I'm, I can't place the blame on anyone. Uh, that, let's let's not blame anyone for that. That it is what it is, and we we've got to we got to work with what we got here. Um, despite missing the the keys, um, it still has its uh still has its banger moments. I give it three and a half snakes in the bag out of five. <laughs> Um, I, I don't really have a, a ton to, to say about overall thoughts other than, uh, I liked about six out of the 11 songs. Uh, so about half. So a 2.5 out of five Viet Cong souls wandering in the jungle. Oh my God. Came up with that on fly. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> Is this album as good as relationship of command? No, we, we, we know that it's not. Is it? In and of itself, a good record. Uh, I think it's a fine record. I, you know, I'm most happy about the existence of the record just because it makes me feel good that a band that had been apart for so long and and you know they they'd all been playing in in different different iterations, but but that they were able to come back and 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 make a, a record that feels true to the band that they were corners and 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 rough edges and all um the first time through i listened to this i was not particularly impressed and upon subsequent listens i listened to it probably four at least four times through total and you know probably some fractions uh beyond then uh and it's it's grown on me uh uh quite a bit i would say is there a track where it just grabs hold of you, and you have to, you know, uh, listen to it twenty times. No, I, I, I don't, I don't think that that track is here, but, uh, but I did enjoy the record, um, and I'm giving it uh, three full cyanide teeth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go on to our banger. Banger, banger. So my banger is governed by contagions. Yep. 
Uh, yeah, seconded on that. Also governed by contagions. I'll I'll third that. Matt. Hostage stamps, baby. <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah. All right, All right. So don't sleep on it. Don't sleep on it. Don't sleep on Holt's Claw. That song rules. Hmm. I, I was gonna go with Ghost Tape yeah. Number Nine. I was gonna say Incurably Innocent. Uh, Ghost Tape Number Nine as a runner-up. It's growing on me. Uh, you, you can't skip on uh, tilting at the Univendors. Skip it, skip it. Skip torrentially cut, Shaw. Just skip it. Uh, so, Matt, it's funny you said that because my skip it was tilting at the Univender. <laughs> that's that's my skip it. Tilting at the Univender. Yeah. yeah d- torrentially cuts, cut, Shaw can, can go. Yeah, if if my memory can skip torrentially cut, Shaw, because I don't remember what it sounds like, then I'm going to have to say skip it on that one. So I would definitely be into covering hostage stamps. Interesting. I went with ghost tape number nine because it was the least like screamy of the bunch. No one would have to scream. Are we uh, are we talking about what we would realistically cover or what we just want to cover? Because I, <laughs> I, those are two or. different either. things to me. Either or. <laughs> I, I, I just, yeah, either or. I mean, okay, if I had the Because I probably wouldn't of, be able to like, you know, yeah, cover all of if, like. If I. Uh, had the stage ability and presence i'd be like hell let's do governed by contagions you know like if we could execute that for sure but like realistically i don't know i feel like ghost tape number nine is probably yeah that would be a more realistic one to try yeah what does everybody else say at first i did say governed by contagion just because i find it so fun but now that i think about it i think riffing on the the weird atmospherics and doing my own take on ghost tape number nine would be a, a Really interesting exercise. I've got uh, pendulum in a pleasant dress. Um, I, I just think that would be really interesting to uh, to take a take a swipe at. That's a good song. Yeah, I'm surprised that you guys like Ghost Tape Number Nine as much as you do. I didn't think it's a was grower. Like that song, it grows. All right. Well, now that we've covered that, let's move on very quickly to Diamante. The band releases one more EP entitled Diamante, featuring only three tracks. One, Amid Ethics. Two, Despondent at High Noon. Three, Point of Demarcation. It's released on November 24th, 2017 for Record Store Day as a limited edition 10-inch with three different color variants. They have Black Double Mint, where 100 would be randomly inserted. Coke Bottle Clear with Bone Splatter, limited to 3,000, that's the one I have, and Bone with Mint Splatter, limited to 500. While I don't have much info on Diamante, Discogs had an interesting note under the Bone Mint variant that reads, How do you weaponize the insatiable thirst for life among vultures? How do you deprogram the coroner dissecting hiatus? What light beckons you from the sewers of suggestion? Is your instinct extinct? Or does it hide in the flash burn of counterfeit automatons? Five boys with guilty slingshots swang to the midwitch sound, blinded by the diamante. It's produced by Omar Rodriguez Lopez and mixed by Johann Scheer. The EP was recorded at Clouds Hill Studio in Hamburg, Germany in the summer of 2017.
What do you guys think of Diamante? Uh, well, I probably didn't listen to it as many times as I, I should have. I spent a lot more time listening to uh, uh, the album. Um, I did give it a, a few spins, and what really stuck out to me was the third track, um, which I put down as line of demarcation, but I think I'm wrong on that. I think it's point. Point of demarcation. I'm saying yeah. point. Uh, yeah, I'm wrong. Um, which I felt was like the obvious standout for me yeah. of the three. Um, it, it, it was similar hmm. to Ghost Tape Number Nine in that it felt like them doing something new. Um, and I did feel like that song is just dying for a remix. I don't know why, but in my <laughs> head, I heard like a like a in, more industrial sort of remix of it um, for some reason. But th- that was sort of my, that was the main thing that stuck out. Overall, the EP felt kind of just tacked on. It didn't really exist on its own very well, I didn't feel. Um, it just was very much an addendum to the album, which I guess that's what EPs kind of are technically. Uh, my first thought, uh, the, uh, when I listened to this was, uh, where was this on, uh, inter alia? Um, or excuse me, in inter alia, uh, inter alia. really taken. <laughs> <laughs> what does uh, that mean? Did we say, you said what it meant yes, earlier, it right? It means among uh, other things, among other things. Okay. But, uh, I, I really enjoyed, uh, the, these three tracks. Um, I thought each of them was a new, you know, a different, interesting thing. Uh, the, the first track, um, amid ethics, that bass tone and that bass line is, yeah. is yeah. so great. And just, you know, uh, just really sinister, but propulsive, um, you know, and, and I, th- I think the, uh, the, the kind of rat-a-tat of, of the vocals re- really, uh, uh, really gels well, uh, with that, um, despondent at high noon's great, you know, uh, lots of vibes. And then, yeah, the, 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 the strongest uh, point is point of demarcation. Uh, I just love that beat. I love how it's kind of got that stumble on every other uh, uh, every other down or every other four, what, whatever it is. But uh, yeah, I, I would have loved to have, have heard more of this kind of stuff, uh, perhaps, and and less lesser versions of you know stuff that, that you might hear on. Uh, relationship of command so yeah I, I was i was really glad to hear this i thought this one benefits from being just produced by uh omar so this one was just produced by omar rodriguez lopez and then uh the uh, the lp was produced by omar and another R- guy who's like a rich costi yes i think i prefer the production on on this ep to be honest that hamburg germany really grimy dirty yeah yeah uh, well it sounds like hamburg germany i'll tell you that uh i don't know what that means <laughs> but i like the i i i also <laughs> i use the word sinister it's got this sinister yeah. atmosphere that it creates the whole thing grime and dirt on it. it's gritty um the the first two tracks don't stick out in my mind a whole lot that but they do create a cool uh, atmosphere and aesthetic. I thought a mid ethics kind of sounds like a slowed down 
California Uber Alice with that sinister dark feel. I can see that. Uh, which was really, in- I like uh, <laughs> the refrain of impotent blood boys, which is my gang name, I think. <laughs> um, is is this just Cedric sing? Is someone singing with Cedric or is it just Cedric's vocals on a mid ethics? It sounds like someone else is in there. I don't know. Like crazy. It It's hard <laughs> to tell. It sounds Blood Brothers yeah. like to me. It, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sounds it really very does. like two guys, and you know, ironically singing about Blood Boys. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're. What if it was like featuring the Blood Brothers and they come <laughs> Johnny in and Whitney? Like, we are the Blood Boys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it makes me think of Upright Citizens again, the Tate Brothers. I don't know if you've ever. Oh, I know about the Tate Brothers. Okay, thank you. We're the I'm aware of the but. I'll I'll agree that point of demarcation the uh, is the standout by like a mile. I love uh, I love the the dub beat, um, the way it sounds like a uh, a drum loop. Or uh, I love any time they incorporate drum machines and samples. It's this really cool dub loop with this triplet kick on it. That 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 part just gets me. I'm hooked by that, and it makes me wonder: is this what is this what de facto was like? I, I never actually listened to de facto, but uh, they're a, a very very dub. I I don't know what that means though. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, I, I have. <laughs> I, I think it means you use utilize a lot of samples. Maybe yeah. Know. There's a lot of like echo on like the drums. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. lots of um, snares with echo echoing snares. And point of demarcation actually has some keys in it. I think toward the end, which we're missing from uh, the LP, of course. That this is a uh, it, there's a little bit of Queens of the Stone Age feel, maybe just to like that that sinister guitar uh, uh, riff. But uh, it, it doesn't sound like the at the drive-in we know so much. But I I think it's it's awesome, and it sounds like maybe a direction they could go into and it would be a, a really cool experiment if they so choose to keep going in this direction yeah uh i don't have too much to say i'll keep it quick but i like it but it's it's definitely somewhat of an oddity to me uh it's definitely a different sounding at the drive-in and recording uh, it's more bass heavy there's definitely some cool moments um but i feel like overall it's kind of far from being essential uh, I think it does have nods of more experimentation that they were known for around the breakup with those electronic beats. And uh, I think this one has just a little bit more experimentation to it. Um, it's strange, and I'm sure I'll come back to it from time to time. I think I'm kind of surprised that you guys are all very, like, I'll go back and listen to it for, again. But I, I my standout track was uh, the second track, uh, Despondent at High Noon. Uh, I really like hmm. that one quite a bit, but I I do find redeeming qualities in in all the songs, so it's definitely cool to have. But I definitely think it's really neat how they they came full circle, where the first thing they released was a three song EP, and the last thing they released is a three song EP, and you know they did the eleven tracks for the full length album, and I just feel like the way they released it is very true, at the drive in form, having an EP with it, so that was cool. But uh, all right, well, let's move on to our final thoughts of At The Drive-In. We're finally wrapping this up, and we'll be moving on to our palate cleanser next episode. But before we get to that, let's talk about uh, how we kind of rate At The Drive-In overall. 
So for me, I only counted the studio albums and I didn't really count the EPs into this. Uh, though I do think Via is probably the best of the EPs, I will say. Um, but we listened to just studio tracks. We listened to about 44 songs. And I liked about 40 out of 44 of those songs. Uh, so overall, I give them a 91% or 4.5 Cosmonaut Sutures. Those um, four songs nice. must be I really suck. I, I mean, I just oh, well, can't imagine what the four songs that you're, you hate. I, I need like. to go back and uh, look them. I should have written them down for this, but I didn't. But then I, I did because I was focusing on my top 11 at the drive-in songs. So my top 11 are track 11 would be Holtz Claw, 10, Lopsided, mm. 9, 198D, 8, Napoleon Solo, 7, Invalid Litter Department, 6, Chanbara, 5, Governed by Contagions, 4, Quarantined, 3, Cosmonaut, 2, One-Armed Scissor, and 1, Arcarsenal. Honorary mentions go to Fahrenheit, Hostage Stamps, Initiation, Imbroglio, Rasquache, Non-Zero Possibility, and Proxima Centauri. Nice. Nice. Uh, I can go next um, on. So I, I didn't actually tally up all the songs. I got to remember to do that next time. I did make a top 11, uh, but I, I did not necessarily go through and, and add up all the songs with a percentage. Um, I did rank the albums. I, I put, uh, uh, how do I say it? In, inter. <laughs> I want to say it wrong. Inter Alia. Inter Alia was my least favorite, actually. It and Acrobatic Tenement are kind of neck and neck, but I wow. think Acrobatic Tenement has more of a. Of a, it gives me more of that '90s, late '90s emo feel um, appeals to me more than some of the stuff on on um, this last album did. So that one barely scratched out. And then the next two, uh, Relationship of Command and Inquisito Out, are also kind of uh, neck and neck, actually, surprisingly. But I ultimately went with Relationship of Command as the better album. Um, But anyway, my top eleven songs. So number eleven, Governed by Contagions. Number 10, R. Carsonal. Number 9, Non-Zero Possibility. Number 8, Napoleon Solo. Number 7, 198D. Number 6, Initiation. Number 5, Lopsided. Number 4, Hula Hoop Wounds. Number 3, Hourglass. Number 2, One-Armed Scissor. And number 1, Invalid Litter Department. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, One-Armed Scissor likes that number 2 spot. I, yeah, I, I ultimately, I just was thinking about it. I'm like, I know one arm Scissor is great. I mean, obviously it's number two, but Invalid Litter Department just might stand out to me as my favorite at the drive-in song, if I really thought That's about it. has got it all. I uh, ranked the albums, and uh, I've got um, a, a top 11 here. Um, my grade overall for the band is you should go listen to this band because they're good. Uh, I guess that's... <laughs> That, that's what what I would say about that. Um, and, and I think I'm I'm right there with you, Josh, in that uh, acrobatic uh, tenement and inter uh, alia are kind of two A and two B for me. It was tough to um, to kind of rank those. I, I I agree and and definitely hear that same uh, nostalgia vibe from um, acrobatic tenement. Uh, so I, I have that at three, inter alia at four, and then. Also, kind of 1A and 1B is uh, In Casino Out in Relationship of Command. 
I'm sure that's just kind of a uh, what type, what time of the day you catch me at. I've got in casino out as one relationship of command as two on my list right now, but uh, but that's going to be subject uh, to change. And, and they're they're all good records, and they're all all worth your time and, and your money. Top eleven songs in uh, somewhat of an order. Well, although it was my skip on the record, I still think it's a good song. Uh, that's Napoleon Solo. Uh, number 10, Proxima Centauri. Uh, number 9, Pattern Against User. Uh, number 8, One-Armed Scissor. Uh, number 7, Arc Arsenal. Number 6 and 5 is the the pair uh, of Starslight and Shafino. Number 4, Transatlantic Foe. Number 3, Alpha Centauri. And then 1 and 2 uh, are Hula Hoop Wounds and Invalid Litter Department. It's the highest ranking of hula hoop ones yet um so i'll give my ranking of the the four lps uh setting the eps aside four i had acrobatic tenement three inter alia two in casino out and one with a bullet relationship of command um i didn't uh i didn't do a whole lot of math and tally up uh all the songs and uh i didn't uh make uh, top 11 songs per se because I find it difficult to to rank all of their songs in that way so I will just say my top 11 songs are the 11 tracks of relationship of command <laughs> I if you only <laughs> listen to one well first of all this is a good band I am glad I got the chance to go through their catalog and spend more time with their music uh, and get into it more, um, and get out of my comfort zone a little bit. Um, and I believe this band deserves a place in the, in the rock canon. Uh, if you're only going to listen to one at the drive-in album, make it relationship of command in my opinion. So yeah. All that's right. That's all I got. That's all sure up for them. I will add in, and we could cut this if we want, but uh, you mentioned you're glad you got a chance to listen to them. I, I looked at my list, and I was just thinking about it. Yeah, if we wouldn't have done this, there are three songs on there that I had never heard before we did this, which um, which is kind of interesting, um, you know, because there's some on here that I'm like, okay, I definitely, I've heard these, like, one arm Scissor. I've yeah. heard a bunch, and it's still in my top 11, yeah. but like Hourglass, I'd never heard Hourglass before we did this series or uh Hula Hoop Wounds, you know, those that, and I know like for Matt, oh, yeah. most of them, um, you said just were about new, all right. Um, as well. All right. Well, yeah. I guess this, uh, station is non-operational now. <laughs> Powering down. Powering down. Uh, but thank you for listening. Uh, we will go ahead and uh, next week we will be doing our pregame for the Shags uh, philosophy of the world, which has one of the uh, has been <laughs> claimed one of the worst albums of all time. So in preparation for that, we're going to be doing our, our top five albums that we bought that really disappointed us when we when we got them. So bummer uh, buys, bummer buys. <laughs> So we'll have to, if you'd like to join in with us, we'd love to know your bummer buys. And you can email those to us at moreofthatband at gmail.com. 
All right, guys. Well, it's time to say goodbye and sign off here and go on with our outro music. Uh, I, I really enjoyed doing this one. Thanks for humoring me with doing the EPs, too. I know it was kind of double duty, and uh, I, I really appreciate it. I, I hope... Uh, what do we do? We did the uh, four full links and five EPs in four episodes. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, something like that. So thank you for going on that journey with us, and we'll go ahead and say goodbye. Once again, thank you for listening, liking, downloading, subscribing, sharing, reviewing, following, and supporting. This has been another episode of More of That Presents Discographology. You can find us on multiple platforms such as Apple, Google, Stitcher, and Spotify. To link up with our social media, visit at More of That Band on Facebook, at Discograph Pod on Twitter, and at More of That Presents on Instagram. We also have a YouTube channel for More of That Presents Discographology. As a band, we write and record our own music that can be found on streaming platforms like YouTube Music, Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Play. For the most up-to-date, check out moreofthat.bandcamp.com. Our podcast is brought to you by the Ox Audio Network that features a variety of quality podcasts such as Are You There Pod? A show about young adult novels hosted by Blake and Jessica. Shelf Life, a toy collector's podcast featuring Adam and Blake. And new international show Lupine Transmissions for all things strange, dark, and unusual featuring Tom G. Wolfe. For special bonus content, visit and support our Patreon for Aux Audio. That's patreon.com forward slash A-U-X-A-U-D-I-O. Thanks again. And as always, don't forget to listen to music. Texas town of El Paso I fell in love with a Mexican girl Nighttime would find me in Rose's cantina Music would play and Felina would whirl Blacker than night were the eyes of Felina Wicked and evil while casting a spell my love was deep for this Mexican maiden I was in love but in vain I could tell One night a wild young cowboy came in Wild as the West Texas wind Dashing and daring a drink he was sharing With wicked Felina, the girl that I loved so in anger, I challenged his right for the love of this maiden. Down with his hand for the gun that he wore. My challenge was answered in less than a heartbeat. The handsome young stranger lay dead on the floor. Out through the back door of roses I ran. Out where the horses were tied. Like it could run up on its back and away I did ride Just as fast as I could from the West Texas town of El Paso Back to the badlands of New Mexico Back in El Paso my life would be worthless Everything's gone in life, nothing's left
It's been so long since I've seen the young maid. My love is stronger than my fear of death. A U X Ox Audio.